0: Well before we do get started, I want to encourage you to pick up your copy of my latest ebook all I needed to know I learned from dragnet in it we examine the histories of seven more great uh, detectives and police officers from radio television, and literature including Poirot Johnny Dollar, and of course Joe Friday and uh, you can pick the uh, pick the book up. Uh, for the, in the Kindle store, it's also in the Nook store, and if it's not in your uh, main ebook store, you can pick it up at Smashwords.com. Also, over at GreatDetectives.net, I'll be uh, uh, have an article up this weekend comparing the difference between the 1970s Columbo and the later-day uh, revival, uh, and you can get all of my articles delivered automatically to your Kindle. Uh, You can try that service out free for two weeks. Uh, You can just do that search in the Kindle store. All right, well, today's episode of Dragnet, original air date, December the 29th of 1949. The title is The Roseland Roof Murders.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, for a more authentic presentation, portions of the program you are about to hear were actually recorded on the scene.
2: to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. A gang of holdup men have been running loose in your city. They've committed more than a dozen robberies heavily armed, quick to shoot.
1: Your job, stop them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment... Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Saturday, July 21st. It was hot in Los
3: Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the record bureau, and it was 6.55 p.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail.
4: Hi, right, Joe, you ready?
3: Let's go.
4: Well, let I dump this
3: top coat? Yeah. yeah. It's too hot out tonight for that. Yeah. The rest of the guys take off already? Yeah, we better hustle. How many men are working this thing tonight? Must be at least 50, covering every drugstore in the South Central area. Uh-huh. Which one do we draw? Naomi and South Alameda Rex Pharmacy. Yeah. A parking lot across the street, we can cover the pharmacy from there. We better check out a Thompson from the business office first, huh? It's a good idea. We might as well be ready. They are. Who got the tip the gang was moving into the south end of town? Johnny Powers, one of his informants. Okay, here we are. Business office, Blair. Yeah, I'll take care of
4: it.
3: Thanks. Hey, Blair, do you want to check out a Thompson for us? Okay,
4: buddy. Have you
3: done any? Yeah, kind of.
5: There's a sign-out book. Thank you. Hey, you might as well give us a shotgun while you're at it, Blair.
4: Okay. Check these out for an
5: hour. Sounds like a busy night for you fellas. Maybe. Thompson's okay.
3: So's the shotgun. Want to sign up for the shotgun, too, Joe? Yeah. Okay. One Thompson... A machine gun, one shotgun. You got those serial numbers there, Blair? Yeah. Uh, Thompson six
4: seven eight one one. Six seven
3: eight one one. Yeah. Shotgun six five five two two eight. Uh, five, two two eight. Okay. Signed, Joe Brady. Serial number twenty two eighty eight. Ben Romero. What's your shell number, Ben? Twenty six thirty-three. Oh yeah. Thanks. Six shells for the shotgun. Fifty shells for the Thompson. Okay. All right. I'll sign for them. Okay.
5: Gang's pretty rough. I understand. Gun heavy.
6: Yeah, that's
3: what they tell us. Okay. Here's the book. All signed. Okay. Here you go. A lot of firepower there. Yeah. Hope you don't have to clean them when we bring them back. We went down to the basement of the city hall, picked up our car, 80K, and drove out to Naomi and South Alameda Streets. We located the parking lot and pulled in. There were four other cars parked in the lot so we wouldn't be conspicuous. Ben and I got in the back seat out of the light. From our vantage point, we had a clear view of the entrance to the Rex Pharmacy across the street. We had the shotgun and the submachine gun on the seat beside us. We listened to the calls coming on the radio, and we waited. Stand by. It's no cooler here than business offices.
6: Yeah.
3: Hot and sticky, huh? Yeah. Paper says it's going to be worse tomorrow. Roll down your window, will you, and get some air in here? Yeah, huh? The pharmacy isn't doing much business. Not more than a dozen people in there in the last hour. No soda fountain again. Mmm, sure it's hot. You have to talk about it, huh? Mm, hell. What time you got? Ten minutes to ten. No smoke. No, huh? Yeah, I'll get it. <sighs> that gang's gonna show up here. Wish they'd get it over with. Bowers might have got a bum tip. Well, the gang hasn't missed a weekend for two months. Yeah. I wonder how much time the average cop spends waiting. I don't know. Put it all together and to make a fine vacation. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Sit this out till the pharmacy closes? Yeah, 2 a.m. It's always hot. Yeah. Midnight came and passed. The traffic on South Alameda thinned out. Only an occasional customer entered the pharmacy across the street. Ben kept complaining about the heat. We waited. Well, that's it, Joe. There go the lights. Drugstore's closing. Yeah, guy's locking the doors. There he goes. We might as well shove off, too. Yeah. Let's get in the front seat. There's not much call for this shotgun tonight. Well, there's no use checking it in. Same duty to mine, eh? Mm-hmm.
6: Attention, all units. All units in the vicinity of Eighth Hill
3: on the corner of Hill and Geneva Alley. A two eleven shooting. 0-3. Oh Hit the light. Yeah, come on, let's roll. Sunday, July twenty second, two fifteen a.m. Ben and I pulled up at the Merchant Security Trust Company on the corner of South Hill and Geneva Alley. Two patrol cars were already on the scene, and four uniformed officers were trying to keep back a crowd of people who had gathered at the top of a flight of marble stairs, which led off the street down one flight to the bank's night depository. At the bottom of the stairs, an elderly man was sprawled out, face down, his right arm twisted under him. The man was dead. Ben counted five bullet wounds in the victim's back. We interviewed the only witness, a young sailor.
4: My name's Vasy, Sergeant uh, Don Vasy, quartermaster second class. Here's my ID card. You saw the shooting, Vasy? I was about half a block away. I just came out of the bar down the street there. The top hat. Yeah? Had a couple of beers. Then I left and I started walking back to the hotel. When was that? About uh, five after two. Mm Mm-hmm. Go on. Well, before I got to the corner, I saw this man ahead of me. He uh, crossed the street and headed over for the bank. Then this car pulled up and some guys got out. They ran over to the man and it looked like they were frisking him. Yeah? All of a sudden, I heard shots. The man ran for the stairs here and, and it looked like he stumbled and fell. A bunch of guys jumped back in the car and drove away. What'd you do then? Oh, I ran up to see what I could do for the old man. He was lying down there where he is now. Nothing I could do for him. I yelled for a cop. Did you
3: get a look at the men in that car?
4: No, I just saw him from a distance. Uh, four of them, maybe five.
3: What about the car? Did you see the license number?
4: The last couple of numbers, that's all. 699. Nine. Couldn't see the rest. Mm-hmm.
3: What was it, a coupe or a sedan?
4: A sedan, maroon color. It was a Pontiac, either a 1940 or 41. Are you sure about that? I used to own one back in Delaware, 1940 model. I sold it to my brother when I went in the Navy. I'm sure all right.
3: And you're sure about the number of men in the car?
4: Oh, yes, sir. Uh, four or five. No more.
3: I see. Thanks. Well, will you drive back to the office with us and give us a full statement?
4: Sure, Sergeant. Anything you say. You can wait in the car, Vasey. We won't be long. Sure.
3: Well, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Drugstore gang? Said there were four guys. Could be. No description. Maroon car. Three numbers off the license plate. Pretty thin. Yeah. Looks like a hard summer. We completed our preliminary investigation. The coroner arrived and the body was taken to the county morgue in the basement of the Hall of Justice. The victim was identified as Walter Conroy, the proprietor of the Flowerland Dance Hall on South Hill Street. Together with officers Fremont and Hearst from Homicide, Ben and I spent most of Sunday tracking down employees of the dance hall and interviewing them. We sent a rush teletype to the Department of Motor Vehicles in Sacramento containing the partial license number, plus our scan information on the car, which the suspects drove. Early Monday afternoon, Ben and I, along with Captain Ed Walker of Robbery Detail, met with Chief of Detective Stad Brown. What kind of a motive are you working on? Robbery. Thanks to manager, Conroy, was on his way to the bank's night depository when this bunch caught up with him. He had the night's receipts with him from the dad's How
5: much did he get, Walker?
3: Uh, $350. They missed over a
5: thousand Conroy had in an inside pocket. No idea who uh, pulled the stick up?
3: Could have been that drugstore gang. Why them? We well, haven't missed working a weekend night for two months. There's no sign of any other job that they might have pulled Saturday. Just a hunch, Chief.
5: Nothing to go on. We'll have to guess our way for a while. Uh, Sacramento, checking the description of the car, the uh, numbers off the license plate? Yeah, ought to have an answer this afternoon. Uh, any leads on the drugstore gang at all? Plenty. None of them good. Suspects are loaded down with guns, that's all we know. Excuse me. Brown speaking. Uh, just a minute. Friday
3: speaking. Okay, thanks. I'll reach over here. Friday. Yeah, Ralph. How many? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Alright, well, got an answer from DMV Sacramento about the hold-up car. What'd they say, Joe? Well, they looked up the possible combinations of 1940 or 41 Pontiac sedans with the number 699 in the license plate. Yeah. 123 possibles to check. Not much choice. No car of that description on the hot list. The killer might be the legal owners. 123. Well, even after we check them, we still might not have the right party. That's right. If we got a better lead, we'll work on it. Nope. Well, then ride this till it falls apart. For the next 13 days, Ben and I, Fremont and Hurst from Homicide, plus a half a dozen other men, hacked away at the list of 123 car registrations, any one of which could have been issued to the holdup car. The color of the sedan didn't help us much to start with, since California vehicle registrations do not include the colors of the cars. After 14 days of gradual elimination of possibles, the field was narrowed to six, then four, and then two. August 6th, Monday, 5.30 p.m. Ben and I were called to Thad Brown's office.
5: Gentlemen? You, uh, check out that last
3: possible yet? About 20 minutes ago. It didn't pan out. What about Hurst and Fremont? They had one left. Right here. Could be the answer. Yeah.
5: 1940 Pontiac accident, license number 4XA699. Last registration, San Diego. Sounds good. We teletype the San Diego police. They say the car's been sold to a woman out in Santa Monica. Mm
3: -hmm. Anyone checked her? That's what I want you two for. San Diego and Santa Monica. Well, it's in the right area. Can't afford to miss now. I hope it's the right one. Well, it's got to be. Check it. Ben and I checked the woman in Santa Monica Mrs. Fielding. She told us that she had sold the car six months before to a friend who lived in Bakersfield. We contacted her friend. He told us the car had been traded in by him to an auto dealer in Pasadena. We checked the dealer. He said the car had been sold off his used car lot two months before. The new buyer had given his name as Emil Thurston. Two names were given as reference, Lloyd Newton and John Lacombe. We ran a routine check through the record bureau. Ran
5: them through, fellas. Here's the packages.
6: Get them, Meg, me.
5: On all three.
3: What'd you find on Thurston?
5: Uh, let's see. Thurston, two-time loser, second time up to Q on five counts of armed robbery. On parole from Quentin now. How about the other two? Oh, the calm, let's see. Preston, reformatory two terms, went up three years ago, violation of Dyer Act. He's on parole, too. What about Newton? Did you make him? Uh... Two terms in Oklahoma. They're looking for him now. Jump parole. Can I look
3: at that just a minute, Frank? I'm sure. I'm I have all three of them. Here. Take a look, Ben. Each one of the mama sheets on these three guys. Yeah. On our... Right here under General M.O. See? Mm-hmm. Thurston. Heavily armed at time of arrest. Yeah. This one, Lacombe. Huh? Heavily armed. This one on Newton. Same thing. Gun happy. Yeah. Money. At the time he purchased the car, suspect Emil Thurston listed his home address as 1517 North Hoover Avenue. Previous robbery victims positively identified Thurston and his companions. At 1517 North Hoover, the landlady also identified Thurston and his companions as tenants. She told us they drove a red sedan and they parked the car at a Temple Street garage. An immediate stakeout was placed on the apartment house, and we started the canvas of Temple Street garages from Hoover Avenue down to Rampart Boulevard. At 4 p.m., Ben spotted the car in Donnelly's garage on Temple Street near Michigan Drive. The garage attendant told us that the owner of the car had given his name as Emil Thurston. We showed him the mug shots.
5: Yeah, used to park his car in here a while back. Then he
3: came in yesterday morning with these two guys and said he wanted a paint job.
6: Hmm.
3: Doesn't look like he needs a paint job to me.
5: They offered me 20 bucks extra if I do it in a hurry. He wants the car painted green. When's he gonna call for the car? About 10 o'clock tonight. These
3: jobs take time. He's not gonna like it if the car's not finished. He won't like it if it is. Come on, Ben.
1: You are listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. 7 p.m. Tuesday, August
3: 7th. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown and Captain Ed Walker swung the entire robbery detail into action. The stake out at the apartment house on North Hoover continued. An additional detail of men was stationed in a vacant store on Temple Street directly opposite Donnelly's Garage. Donnelly's garage was a small family outfit, and the only spot from which we could cover it thoroughly without being seen was from a large paint locker set up against the right wall. The garage man cleared enough room so that Ben and I could fit into the locker in a half-stooped position. Two small latches were rigged up so that we could pull the doors closed from the inside. Four ventilation holes at the top and bottom of the doors provided us with peepholes. At 8 o'clock that night, Ben and I took our places inside the locker. The trap was set. We waited.
4: Can you see all right, Joe? Yeah. Oh, it's hot in here. Mm. Stale air. Tight fit.
3: I'm getting a clamp on my shoulder. Yeah. What time did that garage man say he closed? 11 o'clock. Oh, mm, lousy paint smells. <laughs> Stuff it.
6: Mm.
3: Hey, that car pulling in. Can you see the driver? Uh, it's nothing. Somebody getting gas. Mm. I hope they show up. I wouldn't want this to go on another night. Oh, don't count on it. Oh, oh, what's going to sleep? don't just stand
6: still. What time you
3: got? Let me see. Get the light on in here. Ten minutes to nine. Thanks. The popular conception of the working detective rarely includes a glimpse of his everyday run-of-the-mill duties filling out forms, conducting interviews, or waiting long, monotonous hours parked in a car or standing half crouched in a garage paint locker. It's slow, dull, and tedious, and it's 95% of the police officer's job. By 10 o'clock that night, there was still no sign of Thurston and his friends. The cramped locker got more cramped with the passing minutes. The air was thick with paint fumes. We waited. At 10.55, a taxi pulled to a stop in front of the garage. Three men got out you see him, Joe. Wait till they step into the light. Yeah. There's another guy still in the cab. Here they come. Uh, There's the first guy. Yeah, it's Thurston. It? Fourth guy's getting out of the cab. That looks like Newton, doesn't it? That's him. Yeah, it's Lacombe right behind. Fat guy. Here they come. You sure do look, the bar. All right. unlatch your door, but don't open it. Yo. Oh. Quiet, Ben. What's the matter? Matt, you're stuck. Wait a minute. To oh. you get it? Really, stuff. All right, tap it with your gun stock. Come yeah, on, easy. Yeah. There. There it is. It's loose. good. you see where they are now? Yeah, talking to the garage man. I'm looking this way. Oh, no, just stay that way, huh? You ready? Okay. Don't tip them off till we're right on top of them. Let them get away from that garage man, huh? Right. All right. Let's go. Approximately 25 or 30 yards separated us from the suspects. I glanced across Temple Street at the vacant store where Thad Brown and the other men were staked out. 25 yards is a long way to walk when you're approaching a murderer and you know that he won't hesitate to kill you in order to escape. Ben flipped the safety off the machine gun. We were almost halfway across the garage, 15 yards away. Thurston turned and saw us.
6: Look out, Joe! Stop! got man! Stop, man.
3: The duck behind the car went up the stairs, three of them. Come
6: on! Wait! Where do they go? Up the stairs. Bowler! That's an inspector of the
4: building! Up this way, Joe. Yeah, watch it, Ben. Get out! They're somewhere back in that corner up there. You're trapped. Put on your gun. All right, Ben, give it over.
3: Cover me, Ben. I'll frisk him.
6: Right. You up on the end. Get your hands in back of your head.
3: All right, stand still. All right, next one. Go on. Clean. All right, Look home. him, Joe.
6: All right, you. Rest of you, stand back. Keep your
4: hands up. You all right, Joe? Yeah.
3: Two more guns on him.
4: All right, you two, hold it. Here chief. Yeah, I'll
3: get these guns together. Lacombe. He's not much of a fighter. Not without a gun. The suspects were booked at different divisions to keep them separated. Emil Thurston and Lloyd Newton were taken to Hollenbeck Park and booked on suspicion of armed robbery and murder. John Lacombe was booked at Highland Park Jail on the same charges. The other suspect who had been wounded in the escape attempt was identified as Harold Steves, 19 years old. He was treated for a leg wound at Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and then transferred to the prison ward at the county hospital. During the next two days, each of the suspects was questioned individually. Thurston, Lacombe, and Newton would admit nothing. The 19 year old Steves broke down and agreed to turn state's evidence. We took his statement to Chief of Detectives Thad Brown.
5: Gentlemen.
3: What did the boy tell you? Just about everything, boss. They pulled the drugstore holdups and they killed that dance hall owner, Walter Conroy. Which one of them? Well, the kid says Thurston shot him. He says Thurston's the gang leader. Good. You finally got a count on those guns you took off them? Yeah, twelve of them. Each one of them was ready to go, bullet in every chamber. Did you get a complaint from the DA's office yet? They weren't Preliminary hearing set for Monday. Fine. You got him in jail. I'll put him in prison. The apprehension of the criminal doesn't mean the end of a case for a police officer. He spends just as much time helping to convict the criminal after he's caught. Evidence must be gathered and authenticated and presented to the district attorney's office. If confessions are possible, they must be obtained and put in order. The officer must also help out in formulating the case and in testifying at the trial of a suspect. On October 30th, almost three months after the Thurston gang was apprehended, they were brought to trial in Superior Court. It was a routine affair. Harold Steves took the stand and told the story of the gang's activities. The victims identified the suspects and testified to the robberies. Both Ben and I took the stand and testified to the arrest and possession of guns by the defendants. We received no cross-examination. On the morning of March 2nd, the case went to the jury. Ben and I had lunch with Lieutenant Rombo from robbery in the City Hall cafeteria, and it was five minutes past one when we got back to the office. Oh, it sure was good soup today. Yeah, it was a nice lunch. You want to check the mail? I didn't, Jim. I'll get it. Robbery Friday. Yeah? When? Right. Lacombe and Thurston. They just broke jail. Within seven minutes, a dragnet for the escaped criminals had been thrown around the entire city. Chiba Detective Thad Brown directed the operation. At 14 minutes past one, he called us to the photocopy room. The machines were turning out duplicate mug shots of Thurston and Lacombe for distribution at the rate of one every four seconds.
5: You want us to stand by, Chief? Uh, for the moment, yeah. We got all the help we need on the street. How'd they pull the break, anyway? They slugged the deputy when he brought in their lunch. He used to steal leg from one of the benches in the prisoner's tank. Yeah? And they beat the deputy right into the ground, but he held on to Newton. He didn't get away. Well, how'd Thurston and Lacombe ever get out of the building? He's a real freak. They slugged the elevator man and got down to the basement. Uh huh. Right then, an ambulance crew was wheeling a body into the morgue. The attendant left the ignition keys in the ambulance. Shouldn't be too rough to track them if they're in an ambulance. Tougher than you think. How the those copies coming, Frank? Fast
3: as we can make them, Chief. Have another batch for you in a minute. You had any reports at all yet, boss? Couple. They're moving fast. Now, Frank, you want to get that? I can't see in this dark room. Yeah,
5: I'll get it. Yeah? Chief, around in there? Yeah, come on in. Now, Walker, what do you got? Kill that dryer, will you? Oh, Yeah. Now, what do you got? Gas station out on Sunset. Lacombe and Thurston just held it up.
3: We picked up our car in the City Hall garage and drove out to the service station on the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Lorraine Drive. Detectives Ruiz and Stromwall from robbery were already on the scene. The two escapees had abandoned the ambulance there, robbed the station of $56 in currency, and stolen a 1938 Gray Packard Coupe. License number seven Robert six three three six. We left the station and started to cruise the area. It was one fifty five p.m.
6: Attention all units! Attention all units! Get it
3: up, Joe. Sixty three eighty North Sunset, at two
6: eleven in progress. Sixty three eighty North Sunset, at two eleven in progress. Code three. This is the
3: sixty one
6: hundred block. On
3: yeah, come on. Yeah. Sixty three eighty. Yes, lovely. Maybe push it. Hey, that car pulling out up ahead there. It's a gray coupe. Wait a minute. Seven Robert. That's them. Lights changing. They can't make it. They're going through. They're skidding. They hit the lamp. broke it off. All right, pull up. Come on. All right. All right,
6: let's go. Lucky if they live through this one. Yeah.
3: All right, come on. Help me with this door. Yeah, all, all right. Pull.
6: Right. Oh. Right, can you
3: take him? Yeah. I'll get Macomb. You look okay? Yeah. No. Get Thurston out of here. Right. Come on,
4: you. Come, come on.
3: God. All right, Lacombe, come on.
4: Then, give gun. I'll kill you. Oh, sure you will. Come on. All right, don't try
3: to walk. How's Thurston, Ben? Seems okay. A couple of strikes. All right, get on
6: over there. Lacombe, slug the guard.
4: That's funny. They don't look very tough. They
3: can't play their part. They haven't got their guns. <laughs> just
1: heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On March 3rd, 1947, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 91, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. (laughs) Emil Thurston, John Lacombe, and Lloyd Newton were convicted of first degree murder and robbery and sentenced to life terms. For turning state's evidence, 19 year old Harold Steves received special consideration. As a result of the jailbreak, Thurston and Lacombe were convicted of assault and escape. They are now serving life terms in the state penitentiary. <laughs> You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the Office of Acting Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department.
2: Dragnet honors the city of Pasadena, state of California, and the men who make up the Pasadena Police Force, another of America's great law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Chief of Police Clarence H. Morris. Traffic specialist and veteran police administrator dedicates his life to making yours
5: more secure. You dragnet, portion transcribed from Los Angeles. Be sure to hear
2: songs by Morton Downey tonight on NBC.
0: Welcome back. Well, this is probably one of Jack Webb's experiments that had um, a mixed success at best. Um, the scenes with the um, location uh, recording—you could tell uh, from the garage, and the acoustics were off. Uh, when we played this the first time. Uh, We were using a uh, recording that had a 24 kbps uh, sampling rate and uh, you couldn't uh, hardly make out uh, the words. Uh, So this would not be something that they would pursue throughout the radio history. Here we can hear it a bit more clearly though it's muffled. Uh, When it comes to location work it does. remind me that uh in his later days Webb was definitely not a fan of going out on location. Uh there were so many uh sets um and setups ups for various areas that could be used right on the studio lots. He just did not like going out when he got into his uh, late 40s. And uh the uh episode Mr. which featured a burglar, who um, Daniel Loomis, who was very insistent on being called Mr. Daniel Lo- uh, Loomis. And uh, Jack Webb actually called up Bert uh, Perlutsky, who wrote the script, and wanted to change the uh, end where they captured him at a bowling alley and change it instead so that Instead of liking bowling, he liked butterflies uh, because they could do something with butterflies on the uh, on the set. uh, Perlutsky wasn't happy about that and actually said, "You know, if I have to, that it would mean rewriting the whole script." Which, uh, at least as, as it was shot, doesn't appear to have been the case. But he told. Webb, you know here's how you can do the bowling alley without actually having to uh, leave the studio yourself and so that was uh, approved but uh, yeah when he got into the uh, uh, not into the late 1960s Webb didn't go on location uh, if he could uh, avoid it uh, for filming purposes alright well that will do it for today we will be back uh, on Monday with uh, the Saint, and then join us again next Saturday for another episode of Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to Box 13 at GreatDetectives.net, and follow us uh, on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com/RadioDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host Adam Graham signing off.